0: Love Talk Radio. Welcome one and all, to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. My name is Robert Rogers. I am the founder of Parkinson's Recovery in Get This, 2004. We have been here providing information support and resources to individuals currently with the diagnosis of Parkinson's, as well as their family members now for almost two decades. I am excited and honored to be able to have as a guest here on the radio show today, Martha Harlan. Martha is an amazing individual who has done, I want to say, amazing research when it comes to figuring out what it takes to help an individual currently diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. So I did have an opportunity to interview Martha, uh, well, about before all the awful COVID disaster struck our country and the world. But now we're able to get an update on the last three or four years of the research that she has been doing. Martha, Carlin, thank you so much for taking the time to be a guest on the radio show today.
1: Thank you, so much for having me, Robert. I, you know, I really appreciate it, and I appreciate um, your audience. I've been on here once before, and I get um, amazing questions down the road from people, and um, I'm just glad to be here to spread more information to help people um, kind of find a path to a better outcome with their purpose.
0: I have a number of questions I want to ask you, Martha, but first tell us a little bit about yourself.
1: Well, um, you know, I like to kind of use the term of other people have coined this term, but um, I am what you call a citizen scientist. So um, my husband John was diagnosed with Parkinson's back in 2002. My business career prior to that had been in what I would say is, you know, accounting, business systems, and business turnarounds. Uh, And I sort of looked at Parkinson's and how science and medicine was approaching it. And I said, um, this is a systems problem. And so I Applied my business systems training in something called transaction flow review, which is how you look at a business to identify the risks. And you basically draw a flow chart or a map of what every transaction that's flowing through the business, and then you look for the breakpoints in the flow of those transactions. And so I said, okay, um, I'm going to have to do this for Parkinson's and start to, understand and study this science, and so I started uh, originally, um, you know, what are the major flows going through the body? Well, that's, you know, food and water and kind of what we're pu- putting down the uh, the pipe, so to speak, and so, you know, probably for the first six to seven years, I really got very deeply into um, nutrition and how we grow our food, the chemicals that are used on our food, things that have been done in the engine of crops and how that might impact us, and really trying to understand that. And then over time, as I built my knowledge deeper and deeper into uh, the pathology of Parkinson's and uh, the proteins and all of that, in um, 2014, the first research was published that showed a connection to gut, gut bacteria and Parkinson's when Dr. Shepperhan from Finland showed that he could identify from a stool sample the two different types of Parkinson's, so people who have uh, tremor dominance versus people who have posture and gait dominance, and they could differentiate them by looking at the bacteria in their stool sample and i said eureka that is it like the gut is the general ledger that's keeping track of all this flow through the system and that's how we're going to that's how we're going to find the answers here and so i quit my job i started a company focused on microbiome science and collecting samples and doing genetic sequencing and building computational models to look for biomarkers in Parkinson's and other diseases that might, you know, share similarity to Parkinson's. And then along the way, um, as we started to get deeper and deeper into our understanding, actually uh, branched off and developed uh, a probiotics company to work on solutions to help people rebuild their internal gut ecosystem and detoxify some of these things that we're constantly in contact with from our food supply. So I'm a citizen scientist and wife of a Parkinson's uh, warrior for 20 years, and, um, you know, John's doing great, and, you know, people often look at him and say, you know, it's amazing how well you're doing after, you know, 20 years with Parkinson's, and a lot of that is due to, you know, focus on this nutrition in the gut and all of that.
0: Refresh the members of our Parkinson's Recovery audience on what the microbiome is and why it is so important to our overall health.
1: Sure. Um, Well, so the microbiome is actually the trillions of bacteria, fungi, and viruses that live in and on our body. And they function as our internal pharmacy. You know, I know over the last several years, uh, you know, most of what we're hearing in the news is that microbes are bad and we have to kill them and get rid of them. But in large part, we are actually more microbial than we are human. So there's roughly a ratio of three microbial cells to every one human cell. You know, they say somewhere between two to three microbial cells to human cells, and in terms of genes with functions that make things for us, um, there are 150 to 200 times more genes in the microbes in our gut than there are in the human genome. So these microbes are functioning as our internal pharmacy to maintain our health. About 70% of our immune system is in the gut. And this is where the training of our immune system goes on and the communication between the gut and the brain. They often call the the gut the second brain. Um, The deeper I get into it, I think maybe it might be the first brain. Um, Microbes can make just about anything. So uh, most of the... uh, Many of the antibiotics that we have in use today in uh, pharmaceuticals are actually made by bacteria. Uh, Flavors and scents that you find in foods that are added to foods and that sort of thing are actually made by microbes. Many of the pharmaceutical drugs are made by microbes. And then on a more natural front, enzymes, vitamins, neurotransmitters, and short-chain fatty acids and uh, like a lot of complicated sciencey names that I don't need to get into but are made by the microbes. So they are really essential to the proper functioning of our overall health. So as we you know get uh, exposed to toxins in the environment, you know more and more antibiotics, um, problems with our water system, different things like that, we lose diversity in those, these functions and capabilities we need to maintain our health.
0: Martha, bring us up to date on the research landscape in the gut-brain immune axis over the last couple of years. What are you and other researchers finding that can get us closer to understanding the causes of Parkinson's disease?
1: Sure. So I, you know, we, of course, did a lot of work ourselves in collecting, uh, you know, Parkinson's fecal samples and making those available to other researchers. We actually had a research publication uh, that came out last year with a group from Caltech that showed particular, you know, specific biomarkers in Parkinson's. We did some advanced machine learning with a group in Poland. And we found um, something that was you know some of it was surprising uh, some of it was not surprising, so we found um, potential markers associated with something called glycosylation but and that is basically the adding of sugar molecules to um, to proteins and fats um, and we found uh, connections to something called nitrosative stress, which is basically nitrogen-related uh, metabolism in the body. And we found uh, markers associated uh, with iron metabolism. And there's quite a bit of documentation in uh, the existing literature about um, iron overload and iron being deposited in tissues and in particular parts of the brain of Parkinson's. So that's uh, an area of interest in Parkinson's, but also in uh, ALS and Alzheimer's, this um, iron overload. And one of the more interesting things to me about the iron uh, hypothesis is that iron actually feeds pathogenic bacteria. So then when we start to look at what bacteria are in the gut and what could be going on there, um, you know, a higher load of iron can actually, you know, potentially be driving the selection of certain kinds of bacteria in the gut. Um, there is uh, Dr. Molly Tansy at, um, well, she was at Emory, and I believe she's moved to the University of South Florida or might just be the University of Florida at Tallahassee, I can't remember. Um, she is an immunologist, and she is really starting to show the overlap of um, IBS and IBD with Parkinson's and looking at those cohorts uh, and their microbiome side-by-side side and seeing roughly about a third of uh, people who have IBS or IBD will go on to develop Parkinson's, which is another really good clue um, that the microbiome may be implicated. Um, And just this past week, it came out widely in the news. The paper's been out for a while, but there um, was a publication out of Finland showing that uh, a species of bacteria called the sulfovibrio uh, may be implicated actually in uh as a causal factor. You know, they don't come right out and say it's absolutely the cause, but they say there's a strong indication um that it is um potentially a cause for Parkinson. And what's interesting about that is um there's a researcher from MIT, Doctor Stephanie Sinath, who has done a lot of research on um she's uh She has both a a biochemistry background and a computer science and AI machine learning background, and so she's done a lot of publications on um, the herbicide glyphosate and its impact on a lot of diseases, but Parkinson's being one of those, and has shown that it disrupts sulfur metabolism. And, you know, she goes into a lot of the technical aspects of that. But, of course, this this sulfovibrio, by the name, you can understand it's got sulf in it, which is sulfur-related. And um, it's it's an interesting organism from a number of perspectives because we wonder, okay, well, how could people be coming in contact with that? And how are some people affected by it and other people not? And... um, It is a microbe that is found in wastewater treatment and public water systems that builds up in biofilms in the pipes. And it is also a microorganism that is found in um, the the, um, animal waste ponds that are used in large-scale animal operations. So those are, you know, potential areas of exposure. Um, Another area that I've been working on – Some folks on the agriculture side that sort of connects back to this is uh, about 50% of the produce in America is grown in the Central Valley of California. And it's interesting because that particular area is known as Parkinson's Valley. Um, I feel like in large part that is uh, related to the herbicide and pesticide use. Uh, But another... Kind of interesting connection given this this sulfovibrio bacteria is uh, the use of recycled wastewater in agricultural crops that are consumed raw, like lettuces or strawberries or things like that. So, uh, you know, California has some water issues, and so uh, they are using recycled water that's not, you know, fully treated uh, in uh, crop irrigation so you know that's another um you know potentially um an area of exposure um also dr shepard who i mentioned um as being the early pioneer who published the first paper um he recently published a study um Showing, He went through all the studies that had been published of microbiome research in Parkinson's and did what's called a meta-analysis and um, basically showed the key differences in uh, bacteria um, that may be an indication of higher levels of uh, what's called uh, leaky gut or increased gut permeability. Um, this is an area of interest for me, and I have shown in a number of my presentations that I do to Parkinson's groups, uh, when you have a permeable gut, uh, there's a gram-negative bacteria, have a cell wall that is made of something called lipopolysaccharide, or LPS, and this um, lipopolysaccharide, or LPS, can... Cross through that leaky gut into the bloodstream and um, into other areas of the body and cause neuroinflammation and inflammation in different areas. And it's interesting also that there is a mouse model to study Parkinson's. It's called the LPS-induced Parkinson's model. So they're using this um, endotoxin for, or the toxin from the bacteria to actually cause the mouse to get symptoms like Parkinson's. So I'm always kind of asking myself when I look at these animal models, okay, so why are we not looking at how this is naturally occurring in someone? So, you know, if I go back to the disulfovibrio for a moment, that's actually a gram-negative uh, organism that can produce lipopolysaccharide. And there have been other uh, bacteria uh, associated uh, with Parkinson's that can also produce the LPS. Um, another thing we found in our research uh, with the machine learning group uh, was a connection to um, Haemophilus influenza. Um, and so, you know, we're looking at a number of these different things that we find in the gut bacteria. Um, in something called uh, molecular mimicry, which is a kind of a fancy term for things that are very similar to each other that um, may uh, look alike. So as an example, the Haemophilus influenza uh, organism that I talked about has two different um, components to it that can cause our immune system to produce an antibody to it and then we as humans have similar uh, tissues in our body and so when our immune system gets um, an antibody that is similar to those tissues it can attack those tissues so this area of molecular mimicry has been of a high area of interest to me and in our microbiome data we found potential connections to And this is not just microbes, it's also food. We found connections to microbial antigens from, or plant antigens from mycobacteria, from wheat, from Haemophilus influenza, from streptococcus, from an oral bacterium called Porphyrmonis, and from H. pylori, and also from uh, corn. And so, you know, those are all really interesting areas that we're looking at and trying to see about ways that we could lower that burden of those um, antigens and improve
0: the outcome. You built something, Martha, called a life timeline to understand John's life story and how it played into his health and possibly contributed to issues with his gut and his brain. Tell us about the timeline and how to think about building our own timelines to understand the contributing factors,
1: sure, so um, I started really just by taking notes of john 's life and then you know trying to put together how do I put this together in a picture because today, you know i, I you know fifty seventy five years ago, like when you went to a doctor, that doctor was probably in your hometown, knew your family, knew your history, all of that um, Now we go to see a doctor they don't know us, they don't know our family, they don't know our history they um, and they have a very short window of time to speak to us, given all the evidence of environmental and infection and gut and food-related things uh, that can potentially have an impact on Parkinson's, um, you know, I started to to look at, okay, well, what are these categories and, you know, how might we think about, um, like, building out a timeline? And this is really something I'm hoping to help build a you know some kind of an app or or something uh where i can make it simple for people but you know when i start with john in his infancy the first four years of life he had uh, a lot of digestive problems you know his mother and his sister his sister said he was he couldn't hold food down he was always green you know he had early digestive problems that were an indication of something in the gut. He had uh, bad allergies as a child. So that's another indicator of um, immune dysregulation. In his 20s when he was in college and in his final exams of his final year, so under a tremendous amount of stress, um, he got shingles on his face, which is very rare for a young person. And again, another um, indication of uh, immune dysregulation. Um, of course, he was a young single guy in college and, you know, having a good time drinking lots of alcohol, which isn't good for your uh, microbiome. You know, so we looked at those types of things. We looked at his business career and the things he had done. So in high school, he worked as a caddy on a golf course uh, through high school and college for about four years, so he was in contact with a lot of chemicals uh, just out walking the golf course, and that's one of the things I, you know, I mentioned to people who are golfers, you know, if you don't want to give up your golf, then it's very important that you are washing your hands frequently, and as soon as you get off that golf course, you're you're, um, taking a shower and getting those chemicals, but John was exposed to chemicals there. Then in college, he worked um, with a company that made something called a manometer, where he was exposed to mercury. He grew grew up in um, Cleveland, Ohio, so that was sort of a chemical toxic wasteland during his early years. I talked to a lot of people with Parkinson's who tell me stories about... I grew up on a farm. I remember the crop dusters spraying us. I remember playing in the puddles with the chemicals. So it's, you know, it's these types of exposures that you would just draw on a piece of paper and sort of map out, but I put them into categories of environmental factors, um, you know, food and diet, you know, when uh, John was a young single guy on a low budget, he's eating a lot of uh you know, spaghetti and tomato sauce from a can, a lot of processed food, not cooking real whole nutritional food. He also had several different periods of significant stress. So he had that stress period in college. His father later, um, a few years later, died of Alzheimer's, which was another uh, stressor. Um, He had a startup company, and he and his partner um, lost that company from a a deal that went sour, and so he had a lot of stress around that. And stress actually impacts um, many things in the body, the microbiome, our minerals, and our uh, nutritional status. We get very depleted when we're under stress. So, you know, I've mapped out all of these different things related to lifestyle, job, and then when he... um, really started focusing on his health and changed his diet and started to um, do the biking program and I also mapped out key infections that he had had, so you know either the flu or different things that, or uh, food poisoning he had food poisoning that uh, may have had an impact on his microbiome so um it may be harder for somebody to visualize, but uh, I think maybe I might have sent you a, an image of of what his timeline looks like. And you know, people are welcome to to um, email me and ask for a copy of what that looks like if they want uh, to make the life timeline themselves. But if you get it all on a piece of paper, it's really much easier to start to see what the contributing factors are and how to potentially impact some of those.
0: Some of the factors you mentioned are things that we can change and some are not. How can we and do we have an impact on restoring our gut health to reduce inflammation and basically help our gut and our brain?
1: Sure. Well, that, a large part of that goes back our gut health and at the core of our gut health is the food and nutrition we're putting in our bodies. Um, There's quite a bit of evidence uh, on a number of the B vitamins being low in people with Parkinson's. The medications that are prescribed for Parkinson's also can affect some of the B vitamins. So, um, you know, getting good natural sources of B vitamins is very important. and good, clean food as much as possible. Well, it's, you know, it's very difficult these days to get away from uh, the herbicides and pesticides that are used on the food, um, buying organic as much as possible or going to the local farmer's market and talking to the farmer and asking them, you know, what kind of chemicals are you using? When are you spraying? Um, how clean is this food? Because your local Farmers market you know it may not have an organic certification on it but many of them are you know very likely not using as many chemicals as you might find in the industrial food supply but a lot of those um, uh, you know a lot of the fruits and vegetables have you know these herbicide and pesticide residues so you also want to make sure that you are really properly washing uh, so when you when you get say fresh lettuce or anything like that that you are using something like uh, uh, white vinegar in, and water to rinse those vegetables to make sure that there aren't any um, you know I think I mentioned before that they use uh, they can use recycled um, wastewater so you want to make sure that any types of greens that you're getting that you're making sure those are are really clean. Um, You want to make sure that you're getting uh, healthy sources of fiber. And, you know, often constipation is an issue with about 75 to 80% of people with Parkinson's. And doctors will often recommend that people take, um, I think it's called Mucil, not not Mucilax, Miralax. And that actually has been shown in research to be detrimental to the microbiome. You know, it may provide some temporary relief, but really trying to get quality fiber sources from whole foods and getting a whole foods based diet. Uh, there is uh, there is a researcher um, and off the top, uh, Dr. Matthew Phillips. You can find some of his videos on YouTube. He's doing a lot of work with um, the ketogenic diet and um, how uh, ketones versus sugars um, can help with Parkinson's. In In the process of uh, studying all of this and looking at I didn't realize um, very early on, but uh, later got some data sets from hospitals and about... Uh, I'd say about two-thirds of the people with Parkinson's also had some form of insulin re- dysregulation. So, you know, they had some, you know, they were not handling glucose properly in the body. So one of the things I talked to Parkinson's groups about is avoiding sugar and, um, and simple carbohydrates because those sugars and simple carbohydrates actually feed the bad bacteria and not the good bacteria. Um, so, you know, whole food fiber is the best, but there are also some good fiber supplements. Um, pectin is one that has uh, shown some benefits, and there's some research coming out on that. Um, and um, really focusing on clean food and clean water. Um, I think one of the things I've talked about uh, with others is um, our water supply. So our public water systems, I think are they were designed maybe 100 years or so ago, and they haven't really been updated to address the amount of pharmaceuticals that come through our uh, water treatment plants now. And so uh, our public water systems actually don't remove pharmaceutical pollution. And many of the drugs that people take are actually a portion of that is peed out into the water and goes into these wastewater systems. So I always tell people it's very important to get, get a good filter for your water, but when you do that, you're also taking out minerals, and minerals are very important. So you need to get a good trace mineral supplement. We need something called Aussie Trace Minerals. Um, But, you know, it's important to get um, electrolytes uh, in your food as much as possible. But, you know, you may want to try something like an electrolyte drink, like um, making your own electrolyte drink of um, fresh-squeezed orange juice, uh, a pinch of mineral salt, and um, about a quarter to a half teaspoon of cream of tartar, which is actually potassium. Um so there's a few little helpful hints there, um, but really, the key is focusing on your gut and making sure um, that you've got good, healthy ways to move the waste from your body because what happens when we get chronically constipated um, is that waste is sitting in there and it's producing these toxins, and so the 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 body and the brain are having to deal with a higher and higher toxin load. So, you know, getting the pipe moving and making sure uh, that you're going every day is really important. And I think that's been missed over the years on the neurology side um, until, you know, maybe the last year or two.
0: You're listening to the Parkinson's Recovery Radio Network. I'm your host, Robert Rogers, and my guest is the amazing Martha Carlin. Martha, you've already just listed a number of practical steps people can take. Tell us some other simple steps people can take that might make a difference.
1: One of the top things that's been shown from science is actually exercise. So there's a researcher from Cleveland Clinic, Dr. Jay Albers, and my husband, John, has done a lot of work with Jay over the years. They've actually shown that cycling uh, at a certain cadence uh, for an hour, a minimum of three times a week, will reduce the symptoms of Parkinson's by as much as 35%, and they're continuing to do more research on that. Um, So I think, you know, that is something that's, not terribly hard to do. I know not everybody likes to bike, um, but just getting, you know, getting quality exercise, de-stressing. So Parkinson's is also associated with um, sort of the permanently turned on fight or flight um, in the body. And so learning techniques for reducing your stress um, You know, we like to do, John does Qigong every morning, uh, just a simple uh, 20-minute Qigong practice that helps sort of set the tone for the day. He does um, a breathing exercise by a gentleman by the name of Wim Hof, which also kind of helps settle down the nervous system. Um, Those kind of simple things where you're trying to send a calming signal to your body to release the tension can be very important. Um, John also gets, uh, you know, he gets periodic um, about every two weeks. I, you know, this is not necessarily inexpensive, but he does go to a neuromuscular therapist who works with the muscle tension and, the, uh, you know, the areas where he's tightest, help release that tension and do trigger point. I think some of that can be very beneficial. Um, I have actually recently gone through some training in something called the Root Cause Protocol, and it's all about um, nutritional deficiencies and minerals in our body and how that is driving many chronic diseases. And it's been a real eye-opener for me because just about every time I'm in class, I can connect something to Parkinson's. And um, they have a website called rcp123.org where you can get some uh, simple tips about uh, the stops and starts. Stop doing this. Start doing this um, to kind of get your body back down the path of you know proper mineral nutrition and and um, you know support really anything you have, but, you know, Parkinson's in particular. Um, But that mental state I think is one of the most important things of all is having a positive outlook and looking out to the future and seeing good things ahead of you. I know that's been very hard for many of us over the last, um, you know, two and a half years with all of the COVID stuff. Uh, You know, it can sometimes be difficult to keep an optimistic outlook when you're in the middle of all this craziness, but that is one of the most important things is really keeping that positive outlook and seeing yourself out in the future, you know, whole, happy, and, um, you know,
0: feeling better. For those of you interested in learning more about forced exercise, email me, robert at parkinsonsrecovery.com. I'll be happy to send you a link to my interview with Jay Alberts, who discusses forced exercise. And if you're interested in learning more about Qigong, I'll be also happy to email you a link to my interview with Bianca Molay, who has been diagnosed with Parkinson's many years ago and uses Qigong as a way of being able to celebrate profound relief from her symptoms. Martha, you also have developed and now have available a probiotic for Parkinson's. Please tell everybody about that.
1: Yes. So back in, at the end of 2016, actually, John, I mean, John's had ups and downs over the years, and that was a particularly stressful time when our last child left home and um, his symptoms were not going well. And I went to the World Parkinson's Congress in Portland, Oregon, and found the, uh, the group uh, clinic crowd that was talking about the research showing that the sugar alcohol mannitol could stop the aggregation of the proteins in a mouse model and actually pull, that, pull them out of the brain. And so I came back from that meeting and I had a friend, and advisor to my microbiome company who came from the probiotics industry and I bought a book on mannitol chemistry to see if I could understand how it might be working. Um, it's a very powerful free radical scavenger. Um, it also uh, chelates iron. Um, it it does a lot of interesting things, thermal energy storage, all of that. But um, with my advisor, Steve sat down and uh, saw that certain microbes can actually make mannitol by converting glucose and fructose. And so I thought, well, that's interesting because people with Parkinson's eat too much sugar from my experience of, you know, just going to meetings and talking to people. And so – we made a formula uh, to try with John and uh that would do this conversion of glucose to fructose and uh within a month, we were measuring his microbiome, and we could see it moving back to a healthier microbiome profile and he was walking with a cane at the time he stopped walking with the cane um. And we kept measuring for 120 days and could see this remodeling was going on and it was getting better and better and better over time. Um, And so we, I mean, we mostly just sort of gave it to friends and had other people try it for a while. But uh, at the end of 2021, um, we actually started marketing it it under uh, uh, the name Biotiquest Sugar Shift and also started working on some other product lines that where we could put together teams of microbes that would uh, basically put, fat, put back the functions that we're losing in our gut. Um, what we have not done um, a clinical trial in Parkinson's. It's pretty difficult to do a clinical trial in Parkinson's because of the endpoints. Um, but um, we do get... Uh, remarkable stories back from people with Parkinson's who've had chronic constipation and how that has helped with their GI symptoms and improved their energy and all of that. There is also, um, so we have a strain of bacteria in our, uh, product that the species name is, um, lactobacillus plantarum. There is another company, uh, They were called Solis, they're now called neurally, and uh, they have a single strain of bacteria that is the Lactobacillus plantarum uh, that um, they have done some clinical uh, research in Korea in a Parkinson's cohort, and so we actually got that strain of bacteria from their formula and compared it to ours to see if we had those same capabilities, which we did. But we have not done a, a clinical trial in that. We did do a clinical trial in diabetes. Um, and there is uh, a strain of ba- bacteria in our – or a species in our formula called Bacillus subtilis. And about a year and a half, I guess, after we made the formula – some research came out of Edinburgh, Scotland, that this that Bacillus subtilis in a in another animal model could actually improve some of the symptoms in Parkinson's. So I think we'll continue to see um, advancing work using probiotics um, to help people with Parkinson's. Um, and you know I'm happy to have made a product that you know helps helps John and has helped other people with constipation and some of their non-motor symptoms uh, to help them feel better.
0: Now, Martha, how can people get this probiotic? Where do they go and how can they purchase it?
1: So we sell it directly on our website, which is um, com. So that's B-I-O-T-I-Q-U-E-S-T.com. And you can also get it on Amazon, but if you do get it directly from our website, we have a discount code for people with Parkinson's and that's all capital letters, P-A-R-K-Y. And that will get you 25% off.
0: Now, some people who are listening to this audience are from all sorts of different countries other than the U.S. If you are located in the U.S. What about a person who's living in Australia? Are they going to be able to get this probiotic?
1: So we don't sell it all over the globe. We did initially, and then we had so many different customs issues. It took us a, a while to sort of figure it out. But we actually do have a distributor in Australia, and I know you have a lot of Australian uh, folks who listen to your program. And... Um, the website is nourishmeorganics.com.au. And uh, the young man who owns this company is um, also a microbiome enthusiast by the name of Cribben uh, Grovener. Um, and he has um, a podcast called The Gut Health Guru. So you can learn a lot um, from him as well on the gut side.
0: One week from now, when people reflect back on listening to this incredible interview that I have had here with you, Martha Carlin, what do you want people most to remember about what you have discussed?
1: I'd like for people to remember that there are things that they can do to make a difference um, and that uh, staying positive and taking po- a little bit of positive action every day can really make a difference in your gut health and your Parkinson's health. So, you know, be calm, be positive, and take those little steps every day to do, you know, something that's good for your gut because that will be good for your brain.
0: Martha Collin, thank you so much for taking the time to give us an update on everything important that we need to know about the gut-brain connection and also information about your amazing new probiotic product.
1: Thank you so much for having me today, Robert. I've really enjoyed it.
0: And that's what's happening here on the, you guessed it, shores of the Puget Sound, where all of the women are smart, all the men are, of course, handsome, and all the children are profoundly loved. No, please, by virtue of the simple fact that you've listened to this amazing interview with Martha Collin today, that you indeed are traveling down the road to recovery in your own time, using your wisdom, using your gut instincts, making good decisions about what you need to do in order to reclaim your full life force. Thank you so much, again, for taking the time to listen to this incredible interview. Know that over the last 20 years, we now have replays of over 260 interviews with amazing individuals, just like Martha Collin, who are telling us all the kind of steps we can take that make a big difference in being able to celebrate a relief from a diagnosis of the symptoms associated with a diagnosis of Parkinson's disease. Thank you so much for joining us today. Again, I am Robert Rogers, your host and founder of Parkinson's Recovery. May you have a marvelous week.